Shaken, everybody. You're listening to Improv Tabletop, the Fate RPG actual play where we make up everything on the spot. I'm Ned Wilcock, your host and GM, and today I'm joined by Christian Randall, the indomitable. McKenna Steele, the person that needs to learn what that word means. Connor Douglas Wood, the absolutely unceasing foreigner, the powerful, the brave. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's continue this introduction, everybody. We got a new voice on the podcast this month, Connor Douglas Wood, who is in some ways very much the same human as myself. Um, <laughs> dude, Connor, what's your history with uh, improv and or tabletop? I am known by many names. I wear many masks. Um, I have uh, had the brilliant opportunity of performing with uh, all of my fellow friends here today on stage and in various improv groups and settings. Uh, I have performed in Comic Frenzy back in college and I play D&D basically any moment I am awake. So here we are. So if if you thought that most of us were flaming raging nerds, you have not met Connor yet. Yeah, no, it's it's power of the sun levels of raging nerd. Yeah. So that is the energy that we're bringing to the podcast this month. Mm, mm. Ah. Guys, I am really excited for the story we've got this time around. So our suggestion for a setting this month comes from Emma Peterson Porter on Instagram. She wants to see The Office, but mixed with Alien Invasion. (laughs) So uh, we're going to get this started off with an ideation as per usual. going to tell some little stories from our real lives about our experiences either with The Office or with Alien Invasions. And we're going to use those to inform our story and how our characters act in the game. So I'll get us started off. So fun thing about this little group, myself, Connor, and McKenna were all at one point in a stage adaptation of an episode of The Office. Uh, that our friend Harrison put on. Uh, I played Andy. I had never watched an episode of The Office before, so I had no idea who Andy was. I basically just watched that one episode, and looking back, having seen the full series at this point, I feel terrible because I threw away that golden opportunity <laughs> to reprise an Ed Helms role. Anyway, I, it, was, it still turned out pretty good. It's up on YouTube somewhere. Um, but yeah, as far as... I think probably my my favorite memory of The Office is I was talking to my good friend John Kelly one day, and he was getting close to graduating, and he referenced an episode of The Office, and he said, like, at the very end, there's that bit where Andy says, you don't know that the good old days have happened until they're gone, like you realize that you were living in the good old days. And I'm just going to say right here, right now, we are living in the good old days here with Improv Tabletop. We're going to look back on this and we're going to smile and be happy and it's going to be great. So that's my thoughts on The Office. Christian, what you got for us? Well, I've got Alien Invasion. So this happened over a year ago now. This was when McKenna and I were going to go do the wedding thing together, and we were driving from Idaho, where we were going to college, and then getting married in Tennessee. So it was was a really long drive, and we did it without stopping. 
Um, and we got almost to Nashville where we were going to get married, and it was getting pretty late. I want to say close to 10 p.m., and we were a little north of Nashville, and we were passing a military base. And as we got closer, I saw a series of lights in the sky that I was like, oh, it's a, you know, we must be near, near an airport or something. Um, or, you know, we're near the military base, must be a plane taking off or something. As we got closer, though, I realized the lights were not moving. They were completely stationary in the sky. And they were also a lot closer than I initially thought. The formation made me first think it was some sort of like airplane or something, because it had sort of like four lights, like one on the nose, one on the tail, and two on the wings, and it was sort of at an angle, like it was taking off. But as we got closer, it was not moving, there was no sound, and so McKenna was asleep in the front seat next to me, and I hit her leg a few times, like, McKenna, McKenna, wake up, wake up, look, look, look! We're both very much into the spooky podcasts as well, um, and so we love a good alien story, and we were shooketh. Um, I was not sure what we were looking at, but I was definitely looking at it and not the road, so I was a little distracted, and I may have swerved a little bit because the semi next to us honked really loud, and I looked back at the road really quick, and when I looked back, it was gone. There were no lights, there was nothing there. Dun, dun, dun! Um, but yeah, um, I didn't get to see much behind me. McKenna says she saw some sort of shape, um, in the sky, not really sure what it was, but definitely something unidentified in the air so do with that what you will man i as you were starting to get into that story i forgot that you were doing aliens instead of the office (laughs) (laughs) i was like i'm interested to see how this ties back in but i'm just being the stupid today Uh, (laughs) all right mckenna what you got for us okay i kept going back and forth on whether or not i should get real personal um, with our lovely listeners because you all know this story and it has to do with our performance of The Office. Mm. <laughs> okay, so leading up to this performance of The Office, um, I wasn't pooping, guys. I just straight up did not have anything coming out of me. I was like, oh man, I don't feel good. And, you know, I was, I was, I was not feeling, you know, 100%. And we got to performance night and I was like, guys, it's been like two or three days. This is bad and I could throw up. I don't know if I can do this. And then they were like, guys, it's gonna be okay. McKenna, you need to calm down. And I was like, okay. And I was like, universe, you know, help me get through this. Let me get through this, you know, performance. I just, I I just need to do that and then we're good. And uh, so we did the dinner episode with Jan. And I was playing Jan, and so she gets like kind of drunk by the end. She's drinking a lot because, you know, it's a whole crazy situation. And I was feeling fine. I was doing great. And I drank probably like, we were just using Martinelli's, and I drank probably like half a bottle of Martinelli's on stage. I don't know why we didn't just fill it up with water. But I drank like half to maybe even a three-quarter bottle. And at the end, after we did like our bows or whatever, we were like, oh, thanks for coming. I immediately ran out the back and I threw it all up behind the like stage area that we were in. I completely barfed everything up. And then I immediately had Connor rush me to the doctor's office to see if I was dying. And they were like, no, we're going to give you some things that I'm not going to go into detail about (laughs) to help not be constipated. And I have never forgotten that experience. And it's the most embarrassing thing of my life. And I can't believe I just told everybody that story. Um, but yeah, so, um, the end. 
I don't know if uh, you guys are aware of this, but after you left, I finished off that bottle of Martinelli's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did. Yes. Somebody had to do it, to be fair. Oh my God. Well, thank, thank you for letting our listening audience get to know you a little more well than they probably wanted to see. Oh my well. gosh, it's the first thing that popped in my head. No, this is great. I feel like I know your star sign now. Uh, it's Leo, so. Yep, that explains that. <laughs> Connor, what you got for us? All right, so uh, I'm going to go a little off kilter here, but I am going to follow the ideation of office and alien except my 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 brain hearing alien went a little more towards unexpected or unwelcome so I'm, I'm thinking back on my first office job where I had um, I was working for the school actually Christian and I worked this job together uh, and one of the first times I had to call out sick was because of a show that uh, ironically Ned and I were doing together we were doing uh, Twelfth Night yeah, yeah yes I was playing a character named Andrew Agutik it was a very fun role and for some reason, the, I had these incredibly tight tights uh, that I wore in this show. And one day while preparing for the show in question, I was forcing these tights on my bod because nature and uh, the laws of physics didn't want them to go on naturally. So mid force of these tights upon my legs, uh, there was a very distinct cracking noise from my spine, and I thought, that is not a good noise. This is not a safe noise. I'm not feeling comfy. And so, of course, I was very off-kilter for the rest of the night, pretty uncomfortable, uh, feeling essentially broken. And the next day, I had to call it a work, and they asked why, and I had to tell them it was because I was putting tights on. <laughs> and this alien feeling of being decimated by tight clothing wear uh, had prevented me from going into the office. So here we are at Aliens in the Office. <laughs> oh man, that's the uh, same show. I sprained my ankle in one night and the next <laughs> night got food poisoning. Yeah, that was, that we had some pretty weird, weird moments there. A lot of weird health uh, things with productions. Yeah, yeah uh, it, it, was still a, it was still a great one. Um, it was. Caleb Anderton, friend of the show, was also in that play. He played Sir Toby Belch. He did. And it was wonderful. Impeccable. Guilty as charged. He killed it. <laughs> well, we've got a fun little bit of uh, stuff that we can work with here. So we're going to start fleshing out what our world looks like. Um, so we're themed around the office. My, my first question that I'm going to fly past the group here, you can take it or leave it. Um, are we going to be the humans or are we going to be the aliens? Mm. Ah, ah, my initial thought is aliens. Yeah, no, I'm feeling a, an inclination towards alien as well. I, I don't want to take the uh, familiar path here. Yeah, I like the idea of aliens. <laughs> All right. So we are the aliens who are doing the invasion. Um, so I guess we're probably like alien invasion is just like what we do. Like Dunder Mifflin does paper. We do, uh, we do abductions and probing that kind of stuff. Yes! Yeah, naturally. <laughs> right. It's a living. <laughs> uh, I'm loving where this is going already. Um, let's, since we, we know we're going to be in an office environment, let's try putting some characters together and see if that informs kind of what this situation is going to look like. So do we have anybody who has any strong feelings about who they want their character to be? Um, I have some pretty strong feelings already. Yeah? Yeah. What you got for us? Um, starting with a high concept. Don't ask me. I barely work here. That's going to be my high concept. <laughs> Same. <laughs> 
So, uh, what's kind of your position in the office? We've got kind of a good sense of your uh, emotional feelings about being in this office. Uh, but what's just kind of like your general elevator pitch about your person here? Sure. Um, you know, my dad owns the Starship, so obviously he got me the position mm-hmm. uh, fresh out of space high school. And uh, I'm just here as a temp job till my music career takes off. <laughs> so I play the Florbin. Um, pretty good at it, too. Picked it up on my summer abroad. Wonderful exploratory time. I really found myself. Um, but yeah, so my high concept, don't ask me, I barely work here. Nice. Uh, do you have a name for your character who is this, uh, this temp, this nepotistic temp worker? Uh, yeah, I've got a name. Um, I am going to be Farful Nuggin. Um, Farful Nuggin is my full name, uh, but I never go by that because it's such an old timey name, you know, such an old fashioned name. Everybody knows a Farful Nuggin. It's always your grandpa. Uh, so I just go by Farf. Farf, all right. But every so often when your dad is there on the spaceship, he's like, oh, Farful Nuggin, my boy. Exactly. Mm. And and you don't want to, I mean, there's probably already enough of kind of a stigma around the office about you being the boss's son. We don't need to exacerbate that with this just boring traditional name. Absolutely. Yeah, I just don't want to be a stereotype, obviously. Um, yeah, as far as troubles go, though, um, apathetic might be a weak word. <laughs> I have a really hard time caring about what I'm doing, and uh, obviously that's going to cause some issues if I'm supposed to be working. So, you know, classic 13th millennial, um, mm-hmm. you get it. Yeah, uh, I just want to dig in a little bit deeper. What is, like, what would Farf much rather be doing than being at the office that he's thinking about uh, with all of this apathy? You know, just playing music and rocking wild, you know, just being one of the cool guys. Maybe smoking some Traxorian uh, barkwood. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, man. Playing on your... Oh, goodness. I forgot the name of your alien instrument already. So did I, but uh, we're just gonna... It's Flarbin. The Flarbin? Mm-hmm. My name is Farf, and I play the Flarbin? Ugh, I am a stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm just gonna add a note about that so I do not forget it. Okay, we play. The... I play the Flarbin, apparently. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. So, now Christian, for Farf's additional aspect, here are the three options that you will get to choose from. The first one is going through sixth puberty. The next one is the early bird chokes on the worm. And the third one is has an Achilles heel. Um, I think I've got to go with the sixth puberty. That really <laughs> seems to kind of go with my whole rebellious. I want to say rebellious teen, but maybe rebellious second centurion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the terrible twos right there. Okay. Yeah. And so, uh, with all of this in mind, what is Farf's plus three approach? Flashy. I just want to be that rock star again. All right, sorry. Not rock star. Uh, let's say comet star. Mm, no, that's just repetitive. A star star. Yeah, I'll be a star star. <laughs> <laughs> a star star. Star music. Everybody's favorite genre. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. And so, with this flashiness... Uh, let's get your stunt figured out. Uh, do you want to have a piece of equipment or just like a special ability that you can use once per session? I think my Flarbin will be my stunt. Nice. So I, uh, when things get rough, I can always pull up my Flarbin and serenade or, you know, sing, sing the right song for the mood. Perfect. All right. So that is Farf. Uh, let's see. McKenna, do you have a character in mind? Yes, I do. So what I'm thinking is kind of the office, I guess brown noser maybe. Um, their, I guess their official title would be um, assistant regional manager. 
he likes to add in the to the, but I ignore that. But um, for the high concept for this little ditty, it's gonna be business, business, numbers, numbers. And I'm just all about getting those high numbers, getting, you know, all of our invasions done correctly, efficiently, with the best number of collected items and takeover planets. I really need to go back to school a little bit and study up on my alien invasions. <laughs> You're just really working on pushing those deliverables. Deliverables? Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a business thing. Deliverable? Is that a business word? Apparently. I work in marketing. <laughs> I, I hear it every once in a while. <laughs> glad i'm so glad that you're learning it i'm learning too um so yeah that's kind of what i'm thinking for the high concept of just trying to get like the best results and trying to use those best results to get you know moved up in the company impress the manager you know look good to an annoying extent possibly cool so uh do you have a name in mind for your character who is all business business numbers numbers um for the name i am thinking gazlet G-A-Z-Z-L-E-T, Gazlet. Um, goes by Gazzy, Lit, but definitely would prefer Gazlet. But, you know, whatever anybody's feeling, I'm just here to make friends, quote unquote. Hmm. All right. So, what is something that gets Gazlet in trouble? Probably the fact that she gets a little overwhelmed sometimes and has to go sit on the toilet for a little bit. Because she gets a little too stressed out. We'll call it toilet time. <laughs> so, uh, for Gazlet's additional aspect, uh, some of the suggestions we've got that you can choose from. First one is, I've got my eye on you. Second one is, want to check out my lightsaber collection. And third one is, can't count past 17. Can't count past 17. Oh, I'm so overly <laughs> confident in myself, but I can't count past 17. Ah, oh, dang it. Dude, uh, there's this thing called the Dunning-Kruger effect. It's like an XY graph. Um, and one of the axes is how confident you are, and the other axis is how competent you are. And it's very much like, as soon as you start to learn about something, you're like, oh yeah, I know this. And then very quickly you're like, nope, I don't know this at all. It's, it's a very fun graph. I would recommend looking it up sometime because it explains a lot of the, um, anyway, not to be too petty about stuff. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> yeah, can't count past 17. I dig it. Now, what is Gazlet's plus three approach going to be? I'm gonna do clever. Nice. Except when it comes to counting, you know. But Naturally. We, we, we don't. We don't. We don't count that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so now, uh, for your stunt, do you want to have a, a bit of equipment or a special ability? Um, I'm gonna have a like an equipment, I guess. It's gonna be like a notebook filled with all of the like history of the company that I kind of carry mm. with me to inspire me to do better. Um, but I can use it to, you know, look up information if I need to, or look at, you know, oh, how did this last invasion work? Oh, that's how they did that? Okay, maybe, maybe that could work here too. Like a little pocketbook version that I can, that I can put in my battle vest. Your battle vest, perfect. Got your inspirational notes here. Okay, so that is Gazlet. And last up, we got Connor. Uh, you got some ideas for your character? Yes, I do. Ever since the days of old, since the dawn of charting the stars, the Empire has been making many a mess. 
That is where I come in. I am Xenomopius Bratton the Twelfth, and yes, I am that janitor. <laughs> is that your high concept aspect? That is my high concept, yes. <laughs> that janitor. Oh, man, you've got to have a Bratton. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. You simply must. Oh, my gosh. Nice. So, what is something that gets Xenomopius in trouble? You see, Xenomopius can tend to hyper-focus on every little mess. He will not let any one job go undone if it is in regards to cleanliness. So yes, he will spend an eon on one specific task if that is what that task requires. I dig it. How would you uh, distill that into a nice pithy aspect? Mmm. Timeline. When it's ready. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. And now for your additional aspect, here are the choices for you to choose from. You can have either too sympathetic toward mankind, how many hands is too many hands, or fancy yet frugal. Hmm. I like how many hands is too many hands uh, because I am an alien and I feel like that's a little bit uh, formless, if you will. How many hands is too many hands? That's it. That feels good. All right. Gives you gives you a little bit of maybe a cosmic horror kind of vibe. Mm, yes. Which I mean, if there's one character in the office who has cosmic horror vibes, it's got to be Creed. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Now, uh, as far as a plus three approach, what do you got in mind for Xenomopius? Hmm. Let's go actually with forceful. I feel like forceful. He's he's not gonna he is unrelenting with this cleanliness. Yeah, stuff is going to get done even if it takes half a millennium to do it. You are darn right. And now for a stunt, uh, would you like to have a piece of special equipment you can do stuff with or a special uh, skill you can use once per session? I obviously need my intergalactic mop. Intergalactic mop. Yes. <laughs> Is I, I'm getting some sonic screwdriver kind of vibes from this. <laughs> yeah, obviously. No, interpret this as you will, but it's not just any galactic mop. All right, we're going intergalactic with it. Dude, I, I imagine that Xenomopius, like he started out with a regular, maybe like a solar system mop, then it went up to a regular galactic mop, and now he finally made it to intergalactic, maybe for like his uh, fifth century anniversary as being a, an employee. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, he, he, he was really, really just in need of something that could cover every dimension. And mm -hmm. here we are. We've got that tool. Uh, a mop that can clean time itself. A mop that yeah. can clean time <laughs> itself? Absolutely. <laughs> he heard about the Milky Way and he just needs to mop it up because it's... Yeah. <laughs> spilled milk everywhere. <laughs> yep. Oh Darn right. Oh, uh, no use crying over the spilled Milky Way. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we've got some fun characters here. So, I guess let's get into it. So, we're starting off with kind of a just your average normal day around the office. Uh, we'll we'll put it at kind of the beginning of the day. I imagine that Xenomopius is the person who like unlocks the spaceship every morning. Oh yeah, um, always there on time uh, before he needs to be there, even just to kind of get things all set up. I have been here since yesterday morning. Thank you. And so you arrive and you notice that uh, there's a bunch of garbage, like some fast food containers that have been left on the sidewalk, and you can tell. Oh gosh. 
This is from this is from Farf's favorite fast food joint, um, Taco Black Hole. Well, well, well. It looks like Farf has decided to turn up early for once. <laughs> My, I can't wait to clean up behind his mess all the bloody day. Mm, luckily, I brought a few extra hands today. And as you begin starting to like pick up the bits of trash, you notice there's something underneath that kind of stirs a little bit. And Farf, you're just now waking up from your horrific star star bender that you went on last night. And you just like fell asleep under a blanket of empty taco wrappers and whatnot. And uh, Xenomopius, you reach down and you pull one of them off and you see Farf's face underneath. Oh my black hole, Farf, what are you doing here this early? Oh, it's, it's early? Yes, it's early, Farf. Oh. Did you just fall asleep in these food wrappers? You're better than this. Come here. And I, I, I begin to dust whatever appendage uh, looks like a nose. And then we're going to do a little uh, an interview cutscene. We cut to just the just the camera in a room with uh, Xenomopius sitting by himself uh, facing the camera. And the guy behind the camera has just asked you to elaborate your feelings on Farf. Look, I want to clarify. Let there be no doubt in my mind that Farf is one of the most powerful beings that the Empire has ever produced. But he is far too into these tacos. It's incredibly distracting, and I don't think he will ever reach his potential if I am constantly having to pick up after him. Oh, Farf, why don't you just overcome yourself to these powerful inclinations, you foolish, foolish boy? And back to the present. Oh, I can't believe... Oh, man, my dad's gonna kill me again. I don't like dying. Are you gonna have to tell him about this, Xenomopius? No, I'm not. Knowing your father, he already knows. Now pick yourself up. I've got many other jobs to attend to today, Farf. I don't need to worry about you first thing in the morning. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He probably does. All right, I guess I'll head in. Uh, Nugan, don't forget to clock in this time. I think I forgot to clock out. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> good one, Faffy. <laughs> oh, Farfy, that's new. I like that. <laughs> uh, all right, I'll see you around. Yes, I'm sure you will. And at about this point, a... Not like a junker of a little land speeder, but definitely more practical than flashy. Comes around the corner into the parking lot of the space station here. And Gazlet, you can just see uh, Xenomopius picking Farf up off of the sidewalk and starting to head into the building. Good day there, Gazlet. I, I hope you enjoy. I've kept your spot nice and clean. You and your clunk, I... I mean, you and your uh, retro ride will have a comfortable parking space, or my name isn't Xenomopius Bratton the Twelfth. Well, I do appreciate that you are keeping my space very clean. I had to, you know, get rid of the last janitor that decided to make it a mess and didn't clean it properly, so oh. I do appreciate you. Yes, I go up yes. and I give you a little, little pinch on your fourth cheek. <laughs> well, my brother's death was at least that of a swift one. I'm, I'm grateful for that much, Gazlet. You're welcome. I noticed that Farf was being picked up as I arrived today. Did he already make it early? Are we 
possibly starting off with a good day? Yes, Faf decided to get started early on his uh, taco consumption so he could begin on his uh, early duties, if you will. Well, that's perfect. Maybe he'll be ready in time for the next invasion. (laughs) Gazlet, that's not funny. He won't be ready. I like to crack a joke early in the morning sometimes. Let's go on in and see uh, see what maybe we got to clean up again, shall we? Gazlet, I want to clarify that's not funny. He's not ready. Yes, let's go. All right, you guys <laughs> head into the uh, pneumatic elevator tube system, and you go up to the top floor of the spaceship here. Uh, you go past all of the other businesses that are a little bit more successful uh, than yours, unfortunately. There's a shoe store in the same space station that caters specifically to centipede people. And I mean, come on, you, the market, you're just going to sell thousands and thousands and millions and millions of shoes. I mean, of course, any one customer, you're going to meet your weekly quota like that. Like, come on. You only need to be open a week. Right? Like, uh, But as you're almost getting to the very top uh, where your office is, you can see out through the transparent walls of the pneumatic tube. Oh, man. The pretzel guy's back today, uh, a couple floors down. <laughs> Faf. Faf, can you hear me? Uh, y- yeah, yeah. Look, it's Xenomapius, look. The pretzel guy is back today. I just need you to be on your best behavior, okay? Look, we almost lost him for good last time. Do you understand what that means for our company? Uh... Not really, but like, if you say it's a big deal... The entire company's morale is on the line here. We need the pretzel guy to understand that we are not his enemies, okay? We are launching the full-scale assault next Friday. I need you to be on your best behavior, otherwise our, our, our foot soldiers will not even feel up for clocking in. Do you understand? Um, if I say yes, will you calm down? Yes. Then yes. Thank you, Fafi. I love you. I believe in you. So eventually you guys uh, make it up to the top floor. Um, Farf, since you had uh, gone a little bit ahead of Gaslit and Xenomopius, you get to the top first and you're heading towards the front door to the office area and you notice somebody's already there opening it up and she turns towards you and time kind of goes into slow motion as the tendrils of scaly hair kind of flip to the side and glisten in the strange xenon lights that are illuminating this place. And she stares at you with just that one huge unblinking eye uh, that has so captured your heart. And she says, Oh, Farf, uh, you're here a little early today. Oh, uh, yeah. uh, How you doing, Sarah? Oh, you know, it's uh, just another day at the office, am I right? And she's got like a ring of keys. It has like 500 keys on it. And she's just trying them one after the other, trying to remember which one opens this uh, office. Oh, uh, how, how about I give that a try? And I want to try to, like, uh, Fonzie style open up the door just by, like, kind of, like, elbowing it. (laughs) (laughs) Roll to overcome with flashy. Um, I'd like to invoke going through my sixth puberty to say I don't know my own strength (laughs) and add a plus two to my roll. I love that we're spending our first fate point of the campaign on trying to impress a girl. Yeah. Right right off the bat. I mean, this this is the will they, won't they that everybody's been following for seasons. (laughs) Um, So with adding that plus two, that makes it a plus four. Nice. So 
Yeah, you go over there and you uh, kind of smack it in just the right place with your elbow. You've broken into a lot of establishments that you're not supposed to have been in in the past. You know, you're going through your rebellious star star phase. And so you hit it in just the right place. And there's that little pneumatic hiss as it pops and then slides open all the way. Uh, after you. <laughs> oh, I, I, I thank you, Farf. That was surprisingly competent. Yeah, I, I, I kind of feel like it's uh, going to be one of those days. I, I have a lot of tacos, so I'm, I'm pretty good. Oh, I'll, I'll make sure to use the bathroom on the next floor down then. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's probably smart. <sighs> and at about that point, Xenomopius and Gaslit, you get up to the top, and the door opens. And you see Farf and Sarah, Farf like leaning up Fonzie style against the door jam there. Farf, what did we say about respecting those around us? Sarah, I am so incredibly sorry for this incompetent buffoon. Farf, you have space dirt on your third to left shoe. Can you please attend to that immediately before I blow several gaskets? Yeah, sorry. And uh, I'm going to say Xenomopius actually is going to hop back down to the 317th step because he saw a couple uh, crumbs there. He's going to attend to that really quick. All right. Xenomopius heads down and Gazlet, uh, Sarah kind of picks up a conversation with you, leads you into the office and interview time with Farf. What's a bit of your history with Sarah? Yeah, Sarah? Yeah, no, she, uh, she's from, a, well, we grew up in the same galaxy cluster. <laughs> and uh, I knew her growing up, and she was always been, like, super cool. Uh, and, you know, I got this job, and I was kind of like, oh, bummer. <laughs> you know, right? Um, but then I figured out she's working here, too, and it's like, whoa, <laughs> kind of a less of a bummer. If you, you, and I'm not, like, saying anything, but uh, she's pretty cool, and uh, that door thing was pretty cool, so maybe she thinks I'm kind of cool now. I don't know. I don't want to, like, jinx it or anything, but that felt pretty good. <laughs> And back to Sarah as she's walking with Gazlet into the office. And Gazlet, Sarah turns towards you and she's like, um, is it just me or is Farf doing something different with like his pharyngeal nodes lately? I, is, is he going through, is he going through puberty, do you think? <laughs> you know, I've been uh, thinking about that and he did walk past me the other day and I don't know if it's because he doesn't shower and he eats all the tacos or something, but the smell from him was a little bit more pungent than usual. So I think that maybe he could be going through puberty, which if that's the case, uh, we'll probably have to get him on, you know, the puberty medication. So he'll have to go through the insurance. Oh, that's gonna be a whole lot of paperwork. Maybe let's go get him tested. I'd love to do that paperwork. But wait, I only know this because I'm hyper observant. Are you paying more attention to him? What? What? What are you? 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 And you notice that her face starts to turn pretty vivid purple as she's just kind of stuttering and stammering. Ah, uh, sweet, sweet Sarah. Let me tell you a little secret, okay? He is, you know, the boss's, the big, the big owner boss's father or son. The boss is his father and the son and. That is the way that it works. And, I mean, you have to be careful. I don't know if you knew that he was, you know, the son. I mean, he never shuts up about it. You know, you bring up a good point. I guess I'm not as observant as I think I am. The last couple uh, little, little bitties that tried to get in with him, they got fired. So, I want you to be aware of that because, Sarah, I like you. I think that you are a wonderful worker. You're 
I would hate to see you go. So keep it in mind. And, you know, as you've been talking, she's been kind of looking down at her hands and she's been fiddling with like five different pens in her one pair of hands. And then she looks back up at you and she's like, I mean, I know, I know it's tricky, but like, I can feel something going on in my pump organ, like in the very center of my being. And it's like, even though I know it's dangerous to try and get in with the boss's son, because I might get, you know, ejected out into the hot vacuum of space and every single cell of my body would try and disperse itself evenly across the universe. I, I just, I can't deny that there's something about him. And I mean, ever since the engagement with Gorbalaxithonimus fell through, I just, I've been so lonely. Wow. I, uh, I, I did not hear any of the other girls say that. Usually a lot of people in the company come and talk to me about their personal problems. And none of them ever said that. Let me, and I'm going to pull out a little, like, kind of looks like what we humans would refer to as, like, a thermometer gun. Um, but it is an aura gun. So it can kind of scan their aura. And I go ahead and I pull it out. And I scan her and I go, Wow. Sarah. I believe that you are in love. Your aura is bright pink. And she drops all five pens onto the ground and they clatter all over the place. And she gets down on her knees and starts picking them up kind of in a kerfuffle. And she goes, uh, I, I mean, uh, well, you know, maybe, are we sure it's, are we sure it's quite that bad? I mean, sure, maybe, maybe it's just, maybe it's just pheromones, you know, if he's going through sixth puberty, then it could be, you know, any number of things. I will leave it up for you to decide. Maybe go eat some lunch and I will, don't worry, I will keep our little secret right here. Thank you, Gaslit. And she finishes picking up the pens and goes over to her desk and boots up her hologram field and uh, starts booting in for the day. Uh, then we go back down to the 317th floor where Xenomopius is. You know, you've got your intergalactic mop and you're cleaning up this mess. Yeah, no, Xenomopius is, is drenched in uh, whatever form of space sweat you can fathom. Uh, <laughs> he has just been using whatever whatever uh, micro sun powers his intergalactic mop, has just had almost <laughs> its entire energy expunged on this singular area. And he, in, in a fit of sweat and pure agony, looks down at the spot and he sees his own mortality reflected in this singular <laughs> square foot and thinks to himself, this area will never be dirty again. And then he saunters away victorious. <laughs> yeah, you begin sauntering away, your sweat dripping down, and to you it just smells like sweat. To us humans, it would smell exactly like bod, like the, the spray. Oh, yeah, um, of course. But as you start sauntering away, you get up to the next landing, and coming up the other set of stairs uh, adjoining to this landing, you hear a set of kind of squelching footsteps, and you know those footsteps. I know those footsteps. <laughs> those are the footsteps of your manager, Corellatron the Fifth. Corellatron. <laughs> I uh, I get to the most submissive, subservient pose that my body will physically allow me to be. <laughs> uh, my intergalactic mop has its sights trained on my my head, just in case my manager decides that my mor mortality needs to be uh, clipped to an end. If, if my job has not been sufficient, then she can pull the trigger. Oh my gosh. And you're kind of there, just standing kind of at attention, and you see the shadow coming up, and eventually Corellatron the Fifth breaks past the corner of the wall and looks towards you. There's the sound of whirring servos as her head turns slowly in your direction, 
and those blinking eyes uh, start to, like, scan your vitals, and she says, Hello, Xenomopius. How are you today? I, I am quite well. <laughs> I am just here expunging filth from the Empire's great plane. Is there anything I can assist you with? Please say the word. If you would like my life to end, I am ready and willing. That will not be necessary today. Perhaps another time. But there is a more pressing matter currently. Please tell me what that matter is and I will see to it post haste. We are going to need a great deal of emotional support for the rest of the workers. Emotional support? You don't say. I studied for eons under the fourth quadrant of Uranus so that I might be ready for just this very event. Please, please tell me who needs my support and I will give it all to them. I will use whatever technique you require. Everybody is going to need some support, but I imagine that Parp especially will be in need of some emotional support. You can say that again. Laugh, laugh. <laughs> I, I, I just want you to know, I, I, I am up for the challenge. We are being audited. Audited? Y you don't say. Farful Nuggin Sr. himself is coming to the station to audit us. Well, you know, they say every spaceship runs as well as its least functioning module. <laughs> right. I don't believe I need to impress upon you the seriousness of this situation. No. You see. <laughs> just a moment. <laughs> Understand. Please clear your servers. I will remain diligently listening. <laughs> the great Purple Nuggin Sr., the owner of this company, has crushed entire solar systems beneath his foot. Yes. And he is not very happy about the progress reports of his son, Purple Nuggin. Right. If we do not turn things around, the hammer is going to come down upon us with great prejudice and pain. We do not want that hammer to fall down upon our measly heads, no. <laughs> right? Purple Nuggin Sr., the owner of this company, is going to be here in two hours. Two... two hours, you say? Two hours. <laughs> well, I guess we better get all hands on deck then. <laughs> I, I say while extending both my upper, lower, and mid uh, limbs. And as your 15 hearts are beating in rapid succession, just like from the uppermost one to the lowermost one, just like this... Yeah, rhythmic. You, you can feel just this sense of dread at the knowledge that Farful Nuggin Sr. himself is coming to try and uh, do something. Yeah. And with that sense of terror, you go rushing up to the rest of the group. And what's going to happen? I think that is what we're going to find out next week on Improv Tabletop. Thanks for listening to our show this week. We'll be back next week with more adventures in the world of The Office Space. If you want more, go ahead and subscribe. Maybe even give us a review. We would be as happy as uh, an entire viewership of millions of watchers when the Will They Won't They finally turns into a Will They if you would go ahead and give us a positive review on the podcatcher of your choice. We are also on Twitter at Improv Tabletop as well as Instagram and Facebook. And if you'd like to suggest either a setting for us to play in or an aspect for one of our characters to use, tweet about us using hashtag setting or hashtag aspect, and your suggestion might make it into the show just like Emma Peterson Porters did for this campaign. Let's go ahead and do a round of plugs. Uh, I just want to plug again our sister podcast, I Cast Fireball, a 5e actual play in which I play a kobold druid. It's going so well. Uh, I'm having a really great time with it. And uh, you guys should go check it out if you're into D&D &D 5e and all that stuff. 
but guys, I know I've talked about Fever Tree Tonic Water before, but I just need to talk about them again. I ordered $40 worth of tonic water online because there are so many flavors that they make and they don't have them in my hometown and I just needed to try them. And they're so good, guys. They're so <laughs> good. I know tonic water is kind of bitter and a lot of people think it's gross, but I just love it and I need to talk about how much I love it. Anyway. Somebody had to say it. Somebody yeah. had to say it. That's a lot of tonic water, Ned, my boy. Yeah, I previously, uh, when I went to visit Pike's Place in Seattle, spent $40 on ginger beer while I was there. That one, yeah, no, that's, that, this is all very on brand for you. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Christian, distract us from what would be alcoholism if I drank alcohol uh, <laughs> to talk about what you've got going on. Oh my gosh. Um, well, you guys know me and my endless amounts of disposable income and cash, so I'm just going to start another business. Um, <laughs> this one just came to me, so trademarking it right now. You heard it here first. TMTM. TM. I'm going to invent and then sell the Flarbin, the instrument. Oh. Yeah, so fun fact, it is a brass, woodwind, percussion, string, and electronic instrument. Love it, um, love it. So yeah, it's gonna have strings every which way, you're gonna have buttons everywhere, and the most uh, difficult thing is that it will not be playable by a human being. So oh, thank goodness. Yeah, because that's just, I mean, who wants another one of those instruments? Yeah, anyone anyone can be a human being and play a human being instrument. Like, come on, let's step up. Yeah. yeah and we're trying to reach, you know, all, other audiences, all audiences on Uranus. Our newer demographic, our space demographic. Thank you. Absolutely. So I, th I thought I would think about our viewers and our listeners and... Uh, I do know, if you want to get a taste for what it sounds like, I want to say, is it an aboriginal death whistle? Oh, yeah, I think it is. I yeah. think it is an aboriginal death whistle. Yeah, yeah. so I'm not entirely sure. Um, that That is definitely the vibe I'm going for, <laughs> so you can look that up. But uh, I believe it's an Aztec death whistle. It's Aztec? Okay, I knew it was an A. Aztec death whistle. Yep, okay. So yeah, it's the Aztec death whistle is the inspiration for the tones you're going to be getting from this. As far as the the way it's going to look, you need to watch the entirety of the film The Fifth Element and you kind of have an idea. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so yeah, that's um sorry, bit of a long plug there, but I just thought it was worth it. Yeah, we our human brains aren't quite well capacitated to the kind of instrument you're producing here, so I'm glad that you're able to like give us at least some of a sense of what's going on here. Yeah, we'll understand in about like 2067 what he's talking about, but for now, just just go with it. McKenna, what you got going on? All right, so I am going to be hosting a Zoom paint class, um, and we're going to paint what we wish our entire inner system would look like because I think we could come up with some better ways of getting everything through our bodies and delivering nutrients. So it's a very, you know, creative experience of, you know, like, oh, what if our heart was instead where our belly button was and then we could feed through our belly buttons. I don't know, it, that's the beauty of it is you can be creative. So um, if you guys want to join that Zoom class, it is free if you can tell me what color I painted my toenails that day. Um, <laughs> if you can't tell me that, it's only like $250. $250. $250.90. Yeah, cool. Um, I'll post the Zoom link on, I'll have 
Ned just like put it in the description for our podcast episode, this episode. So you guys can just click it there. Yeah, I hope to see you guys there. It's going to be really creative. <laughs> nice. And Connor, what you got going on? Hi, friends. Uh, you are listening to a podcast right now, so I have to assume you know what a podcast is. I have another podcast called The Good, The Rad, and The Spooky, wherein we discuss the obscure, the obscene, and everything in between. It is a horror podcast, uh, very low maintenance. We just, uh, my, my co-host Vale and I just get together and chill and talk about a bit of horror media that we really like every single week. Uh, look out for those new episodes on Friday. Uh, we just most recently talked about Carmilla. She is the lesbian vampire that actually preceded Dracula. It's a lot of fun. Give us a listen if you want. And if you get to that podcast and you think to yourself, who made this awesome cover art for I it? I know. Wow. What a handsome cover art. You know, that was that was me. Just uh, that was Ned. give it a look and uh, appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. If you listen to the final seven seconds of every episode, we say, and a special thanks to Ned Wilcock for the logo. And then there's one final chord and the show is over. So. <laughs> right on. Yeah, we've got this nice little podcast ecosystem that's kind of intermingling here in a pretty cool way. Well, thanks for joining us here in the world of the office space. I'm Ned Wilcock, your host and GM, and I've been joined by Christian Randall, the disappointment. McKenna Steele, about to need to use the toilet after this. And Connor Wood, the immovable object meeting the unstoppable force. Much love and stuff. We'll catch you next week on Improv Tabletop. <laughs>